Good evening and welcome to episode 13 of Football Revisited. We've had a week off to recharge the batteries, but not to worry, the band is back together. We have our lead vocalist and guitarist, Mr. Rob Bowen, on drums, Mr. Nathan Burke, and playing the triangle in the corner, Mr. Theo Sims. How have you all been, gents? Been good? Yeah, I'm good. Sims is hey, good. <laughs> I do. Be rid of that. <laughs> you what are you doing? What are you doing, Bats? What am I doing this? I'm just, I'm just in the background. <laughs> Songwriter, producer, everything. Take all the credit. Take all the money. That's what I'm doing. Um, right. Before we start, if the listeners sense that I'm in a bad mood, they would be correct in our analysis. But I'm hoping in the next 10, 20 minutes, I can resolve any issues I may have. But it's likely to be 10 times worse. So we'll see. Cool. So we jump in the first segment. We're going to talk about Spurs. Okay. <laughs> I'll ask a neutral point of view first. How does it look from the outside? I'll go to Burke first. Um, I don't think it's as bad as you think it is, but I'll be honest. I think. Uh... You rewind 12, 12 months ago. I think you're in a better situation than you were then. Oh, you wait. <laughs> no, I think um, I think you are. You asked for a new manager, you got a new manager. He's You asked for someone with a vision. He's got a vision. I think he's still setting that up. It's a lot harder for managers to come in and change things now as with everything that's going on. I think um, I think you got the man. I think you just got back in with time. I think anyone you want... Let's say you want to change manager. We'll get into that if that's what you want, but... But if you do, and a new target comes in, a new manager comes in, they're going to need the same amount of times, they're going to get the same challenges that Mourinho's going through now. So I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. I feel like you're playing devil's advocate, but I'll let it slide. Rob, you picked Gareth Bale up in draft. You use your waiver wire picking him. What's going on with Gareth Bale? Well, it was a disastrous pick. I mean, I, I dropped, <laughs> I I dropped James Ward, George, yeah, James Ward Prowse for it. Uh, no, uh, I, I do feel sorry for Bale. Uh, he hasn't had many minutes. You know, he's come out, he's come over from Madrid, and when was the last time he had a run of games for Madrid? So he's been out in the cold for quite a quite a while. Um, yesterday, Who's uh, Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> All his fault. It's always the French's fault. Uh, no, um, yeah, I, I, I do feel sorry for Bale, um, especially now with the Kane injury. But like yesterday, I, like I asked you, was this like a make or break performance for Bale? And you said yes, like he needs to show up. But like the whole team just didn't show much yesterday. So you can't put too much on Bale. Uh, I still think it's been a failed project, though. Sims, can you before I go off on one? What, uh, what are your thoughts on Spurs? Where, where are you sitting? I have um, zero sympathy for Garth Bale, I'll be honest. I, I think, I mean, I don't want to touch too much because I think I feel like I'm going to go down this route back. But <laughs> I mean, this idea that oh, he hasn't really played much, well, I think you've got to question why is he not being played? Um, and then when you see his performances on a pitch, I just don't see anything there that was the old Gareth Bale. Um, he seems lethargic. He seems uninterested. He's fleeting. He has these little moments. It touches a class. You think, oh, yeah, that's why he's Gareth Bale. And then, like someone told me yesterday, oh, he's been rubbish club-wise, but he's been really good for Wales. And I don't even think it's that. I can't even remember when he's played that well for Wales. 
I, I don't think he's standing out for Wales when he only plays no, for us. talking so, five years than me. Exactly. So, you know, I, I, I don't think it's a case he just turns out. I just genuinely think he's a big goose. Like, um, and then going to what Burke said, I mean, my feelings on Mourinho are perfectly clear. I, I think the problem isn't when he comes in, it's how he leaves the club. Um, and there are things that I just, just cannot get on board with him. Um, and I think I look at yesterday's, I think he said at the end of yesterday, didn't he, um, I leave you pretty positive after the last half hour. And I just think to me, like Mourinho, classic Mourinho, where you just actually lying, you just he's completely lying in here and everyone knows you're lying. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's never as, I would agree with Burko, it's never as bad as you think because I only look at Liverpool. I mean, a week, two weeks ago, Liverpool were being talked about as struggling with the top four and out of it, you know, had no hope. And all of a sudden now they'll quietly think, oh, maybe we've got a chance of this title. So a few wins and you're always better. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to. <laughs> we'll all <laughs> log off and join back the call in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it won't take that long. Right. Bear, bear with me because I have written some points down and I'm going to try and articulate them the best I can. Um, <laughs> we start with Garth Bale. I believe it might have been the first podcast that we did or around that time. I called it then and I feel exactly the same now. The sign-in was a publicity stunt to get people on board with Jose Mourinho. Get the good feel, good feeling back. Garth Bale, he's coming home. All his bollocks. And it hasn't worked. Everyone can see that. I completely agree with Sims. He's had more than enough time to get fit. He's played every Europa League game. He hasn't played many Premier games. He's played in cups. And he's had plenty of time to get himself sorted out. And yesterday was the epitome of he just hasn't got any more. Um, the major problems I see with Bale at the moment, and I think I've touched on this before, is, well, first of all, obviously, his injury history is clearly playing on his mind. There were numerous occasions yesterday where he was up front and he just stood there, made no darting behind, made movement left to right, just stood there hoping for the ball to come to his feet, um, which tells me he is not trusting his own body, which when you're a footballer and that is your job and you rely on your body, it is a major, major issue, especially when you're at a club like Spurs. It reminds me I, of like late Mike Lowen. Yeah. Yeah. At the back just, end of his career. I, I don't know where Mike Lowen, but did he, did he just, he just didn't sprint? Yeah. He, That's he, what it looks like. And he'd be like in the middle and he'd be like, he knows he should run to the corner. He knows he should go behind the full back, but he knew he couldn't. So he was like, I'm just going to stand here and pretend I didn't see it, even though he knew he could yeah. or but should I think, run. I think that was the difference though, with Owen literally couldn't anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, obviously we don't know but I, obviously I don't know I say we because I'm the one saying it but um, you know I don't know what Garth Bale's injury thing is like and how his body feels but oh, he's, a, he's, a, he's had a lot of time now where he hasn't played football and it's not because he's been injured he's yeah been... is he giving himself the best chance you know? yeah. with Owen I think he'd lost it in like yeah. he was decimated by injuries with Bale I think that's part of it but I also think is that hunger there to get back to that yeah, level that, he was. That, that's literally my, my next point. I, you know, I hate saying of a prof- professional footballer, but at the same time, I can kind of understand it. It must be hard. When, when you've won everything in the club game, you know, you've won numerous Champions Leagues, League titles, Cups, you've got so much money in the bank, he loves playing golf, we all know that, he loves playing for Wales. I just, I just don't see where he's getting the intrinsic motivation to play for Spurs. The only thing I could think of yeah, it's nice to come back to where you know I built my career. But you know, with the injuries and the going, 
you know, what have I really got to play for? I'm, I'm on loan. Is there really anything in it for me? You know, if we win the League Cup, okay, great. But there's nothing really there to to get him going. And you just see that on the pitch. Um, so that's that's his fault. And I do think as well, you know, it was the biggest load of bollocks when Jose Mourinho came out and said, oh, I've been trying to sign Gareth Bale for a while. No, you haven't. He does not fit your team in his current state. Maybe back in the day, counter-attacking, fine. But the way he's playing at the moment, it's so defensive. And Gareth Bale will not track back. He will not track back uh, the opposite fullback. And that's why Bergeron has been playing, because he's willing to do that. Yeah. Um, so you take all that into account. It just, you know, it just hasn't worked. They tried something, publicity centre, as I've said, and it has not worked out. And to be honest with you, I'd be I'd be absolutely shocked if Spurs went in for him in the summer and brought him back. He's not going to go to Real Madrid. We all know that. And to be honest, I really don't see where he goes. Here. I don't see where he goes. If he goes to China, okay, he might get half a mil a week. But for me, I wouldn't be surprised if he retires at the end of the season, or maybe in a year or two, and just goes and play golf. Because once the motivation goes, what what is the point in carrying on? Yeah. Know, there's no shame in retiring. How old is he? 31? No, just retire. You know, you've got enough money. You've won everything. Just go play golf. Now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's my first point on Garth Bale. Now, moving on to my other points. Uh, while we're still on Bale, sorry. Sorry, can go I on. just ask Rob, why is there sympathy? I don't understand it. Uh, I think mainly because, um, like the Spurs team at the moment, I think obviously the system that Mourinho plays isn't really beneficial to Bale. And I think there was kind of like a lot to ask of him coming in. Like Butts may say, like it was a publicity publicity stunt, but for him to for him to come in and basically be involved in a front three with Kane, Son. I think there was a kind of a lot, like a lot to ask of him to get to that level straight away. And now with Kane out, there's even more. I mean, well, I don't know how you know, Spurs have had this four seasons in a row where Kane has got his blinging ankle injury. How are they not prepared for it? But I think I'll be coming there, on to there, that. Don't there you is worry. more. There is more sympathy. Uh, I, I can I can show more sympathy for him because I feel like he's. There's a huge ask for him, especially when he's been out for so long. I don't think it's a knee-jerk reaction, though, in terms of, for example, oh, he hasn't played well since joining Spurs, so that's why we're all kind of varying him right now. Because, I, I mean, I, I was always, I always find it really strange the whole golf Madrid thing, and yeah. I think you know it's one thing to not be happy at a club, but then to be so public about it and then to like the way you know he, he became like a meme and didn't he he'd go yeah. in Wales and we'd have the flags and and you know he do things like you know he do certain things which pointed towards the golf and I just think you talk like Bus talks about attitude there that was a big red flag on any footballer because he you know let's not forget he's in the prime of his career in theory yeah you know this isn't a 35 36 year old he should be now getting to the absolute prime of where he is and I I, I just don't quite understand it. And then with the Spurs thing, you know, w- there's a reason we didn't talk about this in November because we all felt what well, he needs more time. We're now in February, the f- we're now at February the 1st. And uh, would you be that surprised if he didn't play midweek? I wouldn't be because I probably wouldn't start them. No. no. And Rob, you're saying you've got sympathy about the s- kind of team Spurs are and the way they play. 
but he's come from Madrid. Like, a team who plays on paper, you think he is perfect. Like, prime Bale is perfect for that team. So it's not just Spurs-style play. If he can't work with Spurs-style play and Real Madrid-style play, what style of play would you say suits Gareth Bale? Yeah. The old Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> and the old Bale. The yeah. old Bale, yeah. No, I, I take your point, yeah. You, you know, you could argue he hasn't had enough time, but you know, I think he has. And for me, I'm not, I'm not expecting him to be up, you know, up front with Kane and uh, Son and scoring 10 goals by now and getting five assists. But at the very least, I expect him to be making runs, sprinting down the line, getting crosses in, you know, beating a player, dropping the shoulder, you know, getting shots off. Well, and I've seen Martin do that. that. Well, I'm, the only thing he's done, which is Gareth Bale, is try and cut down on his left and have a dip. And yeah, he could do that, you know, when he's 35. But the rest of the game, he's come back in the Premier League now, where it's so fast, it's so physical. And I, think, I just think overall, from every party, from Daniel Levy, from Jose, from the club, and Bale, it was just a bad move from the start. And I just I just really don't see where it goes from here. Now, I hope he was me wrong. I hope he goes on a bit of a run now, scores some goals. Fine. But ultimately, I think I think his time in football is kind of over, to be honest. Do you know what yeah, really bothers so, me with that? Because I look at that and I think that Dele Alli isn't even getting in the match today squad. Or when he does get, he's on the bench and he barely gets kicked. And I think, I, I genuinely can't get my head. How can you justify it? I, I honestly can't. Ah, there's there's a lot of lot of problems with players, um, which is my next point. I really think I had a conversation with Steve about this, and obviously he disagrees because he disagrees with everybody. Um, <laughs> there needs to be there needs to be a clear out to the end of the season, and well, I'll come on to Jose because he's the last one I want to talk about because I'm furious with him. Um, Rob mentioned the injuries, the medical staff for the first ones ago. There we go in. Now I've watched a documentary. They seem like nice guys, solid blokes. But there's clearly something wrong. <laughs> There's clearly something wrong with the amount of injuries he plays again, especially Harry Kane. I don't know whether there's something to do with the training, the amount of workload they're doing, I don't know. That can be Jose as well. But the medical staff, there must be better people about to get in and change them. That's one small First one ago, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, Hugo Lloris. That guy needs to be stripped of the captaincy and shipped out to go somewhere else. Now, what I will say, it is a risk because goalkeepers... <laughs> uh, a very difficult position to find. There's not many good ones about. Oh, follow what it is. They're shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> Basically, he's <laughs> around the bush. No, and it's not the fact that he's shit because Steve made the point to me. Oh, well, you know, Hugo Luis has had a good season. He's had a good season every season he's been here. But the same theme every single season, he makes big mistakes in big games, like the Liverpool game just now. You know, just for half time, you concede. And you could argue Eric Dyer should have cleared it. Fine. But if he doesn't clear it, your goalkeeper should be taking one for the team, getting kicked in the face, lose a tooth, get that ball, you go in there, you still in the game. But again, and for the second goal, the Trent goal, he was just, oh, like, man, what are you doing? Just catch it or put out for a corner. No, he pushes it because he came under pressure again and he didn't deliver. But I can take points as well. He's a World Cup winning captain. He's French. He's a France captain. For me, as bollocks. I don't care about that. What he does for France doesn't reflect what he does for Spurs. So I don't care. He needs to go. Next one to go, which is probably likely a surge. Obviously, he's a bad egg. He needs to go. <laughs> Eric Dyer, you know, if he wasn't English, he would not be at the club now. He would have been shipped a long time ago. He needs to go. Sanchez along with him. And I hear saying this because I do like him. But Eric Lamella needs to go. He's not doing it for me anymore. And Dele Ali, I'm on the fence because... Uh, delight. 
he's had long enough and he's had bloody maybe a decade. Um, so yeah, but they're all gone. I, I don't know, do you agree with those? Any of those players leaving or am I going over the top? Further down the list, I think there's so many other positions to fill that Luis can wait. Fair enough, Luis. No, <laughs> honestly, for me, he is the classic Tottenham player. Yeah, he exactly. Spurs. Good, exactly. but nowhere near good enough. And it's like, and he's flaky as fuck. Excuse my French. Fine. We'll put an honestly, E in the box, don't worry. Honestly, I, I, I hate it. I honestly, I think he's, I've said it for years. I I don't see the big thing with him. I, this I, idea, he is I know you're going to say, you're going to tell me, you're not going to get better up there. Or who, who, no, you'll say, name me like five and go up to get there. No, there's better yeah. goalkeepers. There are good better goalkeepers. But he's a Pep Reina, like from Liverpool point of view. He is good enough. He makes mistakes, yes. He's erratic, yes. But when it comes to it, there's much bigger issues than Spurs than Lloris not cleaving across when he should. Right. No, I'm not saying he's not good. I think he is a good goalkeeper. But yeah. you've got to start somewhere. And he, like Sim says, he epitomised everything is wrong with Spurs. We do well in certain games against smaller teams, apart from yesterday. But on the whole, we do well. But when it comes to the big games, big mentality, big players step up. He goes your captain, and he always consistently makes mistakes in those games. I think Every single season since 2012. Yeah, but... Ahead of the goalkeeper. I'm like, sorry. Spurs defender epitomises Spurs more than Luis. I think you only have to look at Liverpool for the look at, you look at Liverpool, Alisson has such an impact on those in front. Yeah. Such an impact. It's massive for them in front. When he's not behind them, all of us even Van Dijk looked oh, I wouldn't say he looked dodgy, but you know, even Van Dijk looked a little flaky at times last season when Arsenal wasn't it? It, yeah. it, I remember. The, I remember the minute I think it's the it's the minute it's the panic that sets in when you know that you've got a keeper who could do something stupid. Yeah, but Alisson is an elite keeper. Minule was a bang average keeper. I don't think Lloris is either one of those. I think Lloris is in the middle with a. He's a good goalkeeper who is good enough for Spurs in the situation they're in at the moment. No, it it, it may seem harsh to you know some some Spurs fans, but he's just, he's got to go. You've got to start somewhere. And I think if he goes, you've got a better keeper in. I accept the risk, but I think it's a necessary risk that you get another goalkeeper and hope he turns out to be like an Allison, like an Edison, somebody of our calibre. Because then, like Sam's just saying, he may improve the defence. You know, he might make the Toby Oliver a little bit better and if it's a little bit better. Even bloody Sergio Ray a little bit better. Who knows? Yeah, but the players That's, you never know are the problem, not the goalkeeper. No, but Hugo Lloris is part of the whole problem. I'm not saying he is the problem. He's part of a bigger problem. Which no, is like Sim said. Like, why should we be settling? You're saying Hugo Lloris is good. Yeah, that's fine. But I don't want to settle for good. I want no. to have the best. Yeah, you I You want agree. to be both for the and Premier League. We're there, not going to win but... the Premier League with Hugo Lloris as captain and Hugo Lloris in goal. That's why Liverpool went and bought out Alisson. Okay, but he, your point is now that he will make the defence better. So yeah. if you got, let's say, Alisson, some Liverpool went bankrupt, Spurs managed to get Alisson, right? You okay. think Alisson would make Spurs better, while ahead of him, you got Ben Davis, Eric Dyer, Serge Aurier. You think suddenly that defence can challenge oh, the league? I never said that. Yes, you I, just did. No, I didn't say they would, could win the league if Alisson's in goal and we've got the same defenders. What I'm saying is, to emphasise the point, if you get a better keeper in, it will help. It will give that extra 5-10% maybe. 
or the defenders. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to win the league. It might be win an extra two or three games, but it's a starting point. You get those extra few wins, then you get a better centre-back, then you get a better right-back, and it builds and builds and builds. And next thing you know, you're challenging for a title. That's my point. Exactly. It's all well and good going, you need to get other players, but it starts at the back. Leagues are won by defenders and goalkeepers. Yeah. You start there and you build up. Because you've got yeah. the boys in front, Kane and Son. They score goals for fun and assist. But it's if you back. want an extra 10% over your defence, get a new defence. No, what I say with Lurie, the goalkeeper's part of the defence. What I say in, in his in his defence, the one thing I'd say, it's not even just about his ability. Now, I just look at it. Sometimes I think clubs and players come to a point where it's just it's mutually beneficial for them. Just they just come to a natural end because it it just becomes then that they just I don't know they're so they they're so glued together now. Through all the all the the whole like you know spursy, flaky, it's almost like it is an easy thing to back to them and then say oh that you know Maurice is but it's just like yeah just just get rid of it then like that's my argument like let's just let's just cut this this notion now and just think right fresh start let's start again because you know he's not getting young that's another thing he's you know he's not exactly young either and this idea oh we can't do that he's a World Cup winning captain all right then but if you actually look at that World Cup Paul Pogba was probably in terms of leader, all the videos you see behind the scenes, Paul Pogba's the one who's doing it. Yeah. I'm not saying Hugo Reese isn't important. Of course he is. And that would be, you know, really hard on the bloke. But my point is, let's not make out that he was like the Steven Gerrard type of captain where he dragged them. Oh yeah. Um dragged I, them. I, I, yeah, I don't have that no. point. My point is like, for example, the mistake you were speaking about there where um Dyer and Luis don't clear the ball between them. That's all come from Sergio Aurier just letting his man go. I don't think having a bad keeper changes that. Mane doesn't play a great ball. Like, players are still going to get in this position where they're one-on-one with the keeper because your defence isn't good enough. Whoever your yeah. keeper is, that's not changing. I don't want to exhaust the point. But at the same time, I get your point. So we need a better right-back. But at the same time, if that right, even if we got a good right-back and the same situation happens, I do think having a better goalkeeper, there would be a different outcome. If Luis is there, that's what happens, we can see. So, yeah, I, I just think, I agree, the whole defence needs to change. And they're part of my, that's why I named, you know, Serge, Dyer, Sanchez, those boys, maybe even Ben Davis, and get rid of them. So, you know, it's a big, it's a big, big job. And just the point, what Sims was saying, again, with Hugo Luis, I think he is scarred as a Spurs player. He's been there since 2012, and he's been in so many games where they've lost and like Sim said, all the Spursy talk, all this bottlers, all that. I think it comes a point where he's just going, do you know what? I, I've had enough of this. Like, I, I need to go. I want to go somewhere, somewhere fresh. And you bring somebody in new who hasn't lost all those games, hasn't been called this and that. I could bring a fresh approach and a fresh mentality to the team. And then that feeds then through the team, through the defence, midfield attack. So that's kind of where I'm coming with Hugo. Because you know, I do like him. You know, he's a good goalkeeper. There's no doubt in that. But I think it's just more, he needs more. It doesn't need more. Um, right. My last point is Jose Mourinho. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I'm going to be harsh myself because I think we spoke about this on, on WhatsApp when, when he was appointed. We had quite a few arguments about it. Um, when we appointed him, my gut told me that he is finished as a top, top manager. I still think he's a good manager, but at the top level, I think I thought he was done. Um, I think we said, you know, uh, lepers don't change your spots. And I was fooled 
when we bought players in the summer and we had that good start, you know, we won seven, eight games in the bounce. I was fooled by his charm, thinking, oh, maybe Jose has turned the corner. Maybe he has changed. You know, done a bit of punditry. Maybe he's seen the game different and he's going to change. But ultimately, especially the last two results and two results beforehand, he has just gone back to, to type. Gone so defensive, so, so defensive. And in this day and age, it might have been good 10, 15 years ago, but most teams attack nowadays. Even the lower teams, they go for it. They attack more than they used to. So I just don't think you can defend much anymore. Um, and I just I just don't see where Spurs can go forward um, it, with Jose as a manager. I just don't see... We're a year in now. It's been over a year. And I still couldn't tell you the way that we played. Well, actually, I could. We just play shit defensive football and counter-attack when Kane and Son are up front. But yesterday's game was a prime example you had Son, Bale, and Bergwijn, and they just rotated all three of them. And I could imagine Josie just going, right, when the ball's up edge, do we want to try and score a goal? Because from my point of view, there's no pattern, there's no play. I, I couldn't tell you the style that we play. There's other managers out there, say Eddie Howe, for example, got relegated with Bournemouth. But I can tell you exactly the way they play. I can tell you the philosophy that he has with football. I can tell you what he does. With Josie, I don't know. I really don't know anymore. And I just think there's better managers out there who haven't got a job, and there's better managers out there at lower teams who are in a job, and they could do a lot better with the players that we got. So I was fooled by Jose. He charmed me, and that's my own fault because I wanted to believe that you know we could do something with him. But ultimately, he's never going to change, and he's the piss off and go back to Portugal. <laughs> and my last point, because it really annoyed me when I saw it, the statement. The players are sad after the loss. Mate, do me a favour. The players are sad. I couldn't <laughs> give a shit if they're sad. They should be sad because they're all crap. Well, most of them are crap. And you're all crap to go with it. So don't don't come out there and try and bullshit me as a fan and say they're sad. You should be coming out there and having a right go at them. Well, maybe not go in public. Having a go at them behind the scenes. And demanding better. Now, you're meant to be this big big manager, big winner. And yet you're coming out afterwards and saying, well, oh, the players are sad. Jog on, mate. Come on. <laughs> You know, it, it, that really annoyed me. It's like, man, just get on with it. Like, but yeah, Jose, Jose out the door. So no, there's a hot take. Rambling on, rambling on. That's how I feel. Jose. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say Jose out. I, I think as an outsider, like I said earlier, I think give him time. I think time, there's time to do what step. No. I think time to do what? what? What's he going to build? What, what, what's the philosophy behind this play? What, what, what's he going to... Well, I, know, gonna I look think like start with Lloris, get rid of Lloris, and then as soon as he does that... And get on board with that. <laughs> no. no, I think one, if he can get one or two out, like, defenders in, and then he can implement what he wants to do, which, like you said, it is defensive, counter-attacking football. And like you said earlier, you've got the players up the other end of the pitch, you can do that when they're fit. So, if he can fix the defence, his style, his plan will work. It has worked. I just I just don't see I just don't see in the big big games where that's where you win leagues. I just don't see you know you take the two Liverpool games. You know Liverpool the other night, you know, I respect Liverpool a lot. They've been a great team the last few years. But they were in a shit form. Absolutely crap. They just lost a Burnley at home. They were on their ass. And you're thinking, right, we'll have these out. We're at home. Let's go for them. They're on their ass. First twenty minutes, let's absolutely terrorize them. Let's press every single pass, go after them, let's see what they got. And we just sat back. We played six of the back, basically. And we just sat back and just let Liverpool play into the game. 
passing galore, happy days, first 20 minutes, and shock. Man, I guess a few chances. Liverpool all of a sudden, oh, we're actually, remember how good we are? And they score three goals and win the game easy. But he's got a good record against Man City, hasn't he? So, I think you've beaten them twice since he's yeah, come in. He's only been there 12 months. I mean, you can't expect them to come in and beat I, Liverpool, no, beat Man I City, can, beat United every expect. time you play. You battled Man U earlier in the season. 12 months. I can expect after 12 months that I can sit here and go, OK, I can see the future with this manager. I can see the type of players he wants to bring in. I can see the kind of style that we want to see as fans, not what Mourinho's known to do. Now, I'll take the point as well, but he's come in and done what he's been asked to do in terms of getting to a League Cup final. And, you know, one-off game, we may win that. But ultimately, I, I would rather us go for a younger manager or a different manager and try and build for the future, get rid of all the players I mentioned Let's build up. Because, yeah, it'd be nice to win the Cup. But at the end of the day, I don't want to play shit football for the next three years. And we do nothing. We ultimately do nothing anyway. I'd rather go the other way, get somebody in, build up, play good football, and hopefully win that way. Because defensive football, I'm sorry, doesn't win you leagues anymore. I think those days are gone. You've got to be attack, 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 go for it, and then see where where you end up with that. Do you know the perfect manager for that is there, but? What? What do you know? (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, you could argue. No, what I would say with the Mourinho, I, in, in a way, yeah, it works right because he's done exactly what I was expected of him. Like, did the, this is maybe the issue though? Is you know, did we did people think it was going to be any different then? Because yeah. like I, I remember, I remember us having a bit. No, I remember us having a big debate at the time when he got when he got hired because he was like, "What the Spurs do win? This is exactly what Spurs are not." But and. He's done exactly that. I mean, in a way, you could look at Daniel Lee, to be honest with him, because it's not Mourinho's fault. Like, Mourinho's never going to come in and just change all his philosophy just because he's had a Spurs job. Like, yeah. with all due respect, he's had bigger jobs than Spurs and he hasn't changed. So, th- this idea then that he's going to come in and, and be different, now, I mean, for me, the, the worry for Spurs is it's not, it's not so much no, it's like, right, wait, what, how does this end? Because yeah. best case scenario, you would say, oh, well, it ends with Mourinho winning a trophy or two and then walking away um, amicably where it's like, right, I've taken them as far as I can go. But the worst case scenario is that that club implodes from the inside out, which has happened with Mourinho. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, yeah. I only see it in the one way and that's in, that's in tears for both, both parties. I think when he signed, it was a bit you of a handshake. You've already been there, but yeah. Oh, no, I feel like I'm going to cry now. Um, it's a bit of shake hands. Oh, you know, I've just lost a job on Man U. I'll take this job, get my reputation a bit better, and then move on to you know, another big club in Europe, try and win the Champions League again, something like that. But I think both both sides underestimated the work that needs to be done at Spurs. Because there's a lot of players there that shouldn't be there. goes back to our point of Hugo Lloris. A lot of scarred players that need to be shipped out. Um, so, yeah... Uh, I just, I hope at the end of the season that Jose just says, look, oh, Daniel Levy, look, we've gone as far as we can. You know, all the best, but we're going to bring in somebody like, you know, Raf Hasenhutl, someone like that. Who also uh, almost got the sack after he uh, answered that and stuck by him, and now he's turned things around. Wow. There's a big difference there. Big, big difference. I can tell you how Ralph plays football, and I like the way he plays football. In 12 months, Jose Mourinho is not going to play any different to what he's playing now. That's a guarantee. 
He's like like Sims. He's like yeah. Tundra. You know what he does? Like you so, know what Tarsal, and I don't, like his style of play. Yeah, I can but, get yeah. I can get being upset with the style of play. I get that. I don't get the he's taking us as far as he can argument. No, I get that. I see that. I get the style of play. I get if you I, I've had enough of it. But in terms of taking you as far as he can, I think after you, I don't think you can say that, especially with someone with his CV. I can. Uh, again, he's going to win the League Cup potentially. And maybe we do all right in Europe League. Who knows? But in terms of Premier League, which is ultimately what we want, you know, I want to say in three, four, five years' time, we're at least challenging, or we you know we might have won the Prem, or we're going for the Prem. Right now, I think we're a million miles away. But, not, not but I find it interesting because I feel like, in a way, as well, I remember us having a discussion where the the I remember saying like, what does it, what does it, what's good look like under Mourinho? And the big thing was win trophies. So. Okay. If he was to win the League Cup, and sneak top four, yeah, he's done. Yeah. He's done his. He's done his job, which you know, fair enough. Yeah, I, I don't have too much of a go, but you know, anything further than that, I, I just. But surely, how far you dropped in the last season after Pochettino, it was never going to be a quick fix. No, yeah, I don't think it is a quick fix. But then I don't think Jose Mourinho is the guy to do a long-term yeah. plan with the club. So you know, it's a bit of yeah. We'll try and win the trophy in the next couple of years. And then fix it. And then, yeah, and then fix it. I'd rather fix it now. And, you know, I'd rather not win a trophy than, but obviously I want to win. Through win the club for the next 10 years, yeah. yeah. Well, none, none of their signing didn't suggest that they're long-term either. That's the, that's the other thing. I mean, you look at, I mean, that Vinic, that's on loan, isn't he? So you can't really count him. Yeah. And then, all right, Burge, wine, but he hasn't set the world like that. It makes you think, oh, yeah, you can build around him. After that, then. And, no, Ender Belly was Poch, wasn't it? The Poch, yeah. Do- oh, but he's, he's got the best out of him, and he's got the best out of him. Really. Yeah, no, I give him an idea. You know. That's fine, but <laughs> ultimately, it's just not enough, really, is it? You know, Under Bell is not going to get us to a title challenge on his own. You know, he needs help, obviously. But yeah, you know, the one that did it for me was yesterday that you know we we play with a back five. We brought in Matt Doherty, who's one of the best wing backs. He's not a good right back, but he's a very good wing back. And yet he's on the bench, and you play Musa Sissoko, who can't attack. He's yeah. good defensively. The one that got me was the Liverpool game not attacking Trent with yeah. the form he's been in, not being able to defend. And you go, I get the temptation with the centre backs Liverpool were playing to go central. But that was the exact same in the earlier match. Was it, what was the first? Anfield was first when I was first, yeah. Um, so in that match, it was the same. Reese Williams was there and he fell for the temptation to go, right, we'll go Son and Kane in the middle and take on the centre backs. Yeah. That failed. It happens again last week. It was uh, Matt up in Henderson in the first half. Yeah. And then he's gone, right, we'll attack centre-backs again. No, put Son out wide. That had to happen. If that happened, I think Spurs win. Again, it comes to my point, you know, Jose is meant to be this tactical you know, mastermind, and yet he can't see something that, that four was, that was the one football fans can see. Decision, I'd say. It's yeah. so, and he, he's done that quite a, quite a lot in the last 12 months, I'll you know, be honest. Some real weird decisions. Um, well, I'm conscious, conscious of time because I feel like I've been I enjoyed that. I was, yeah. I, I feel better. I feel like I was off my chest. Um, I hope Steve listens to this podcast and then he <laughs> can get some clarity as well. Um, right, let's move on to another club that's uh, in a bit of a disarray. Chelsea sacked Frank Lampard whilst we were on our break. Um, I think most of us were pretty surprised of like negative reaction towards the sacking in terms of you know people thought it was harsh. Whereas I think most of us thought 
pretty fair enough. You know, he had long enough. Um, so we still still have the same opinion that you know we had to go basically. We, he was out of his, out of his depth. Shouldn't have had the job in the first place. And yeah, that's what happens when you're at Chelsea. Yeah, well, like he, he got the job on the back of leading Derby to the playoffs and losing the playoff final. What kind of what kind of achievement is that? And I get the whole kind of familiar face and the, the feels about having a former legend come in and manage, but he was never good enough in, to begin with. And as much as you know, we've got a we've got a friend who's a Chelsea fan who somehow managed to claim that Villa had a chance to win the title. He was very emotional at that time. But as much as he kind of defends that Frank should have been given more time, I'll say he shouldn't have been there in the first place and he was just doomed to fail. Yeah. Look, let, me, let me ask you, do, do you think Frank, you know, kind of done himself over by spending all that money? Would he have been better off just maybe spending a little bit less? I think whatever happened, he was getting sacked. I think spending the money gives himself the best chance to get the best squad and maybe yeah. challenge for the title. I think he has to spend that money if it's there. I'd be judging him a lot more if he had 200 million and he went, no, no, I'm fine with Tammy Abraham up front, thanks. I'd be judging him a lot more if he did that. So I think he did the right thing, spend the money. I thought at the time he's got good players. I'm not going to, like Harvard's and Werner Toy up last season, you can't have a go too much for saying he's bought wrongly. He's bought players that we as Liverpool fans were saying come to Liverpool. So I'm not going to have a go at the players he's bought either. Uh, said he's out of his depth um, I get the argument there was a bit soon it's his first kind of bad run as Chelsea manager and the fans would have liked to see him get a bit more support I get that but he was always out of his depth so I think why waste time and let him get through this just to have another bad run close to the end of the season and it could cost you a top four he's not yeah. good enough shake hands get him out get a top class manager which they've done yeah. same as you still thinking the same yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree, and um, I, I just think it's you look at the the reaction. Um, we go back to it before. We, I think you mentioned it on about someone where you were like, "If oh, I retire, I think you said, oh, no, if he wasn't English, he wouldn't be there." I mean, if we, I think if you replace Frank Lampard with Gianfranco Zola, for example, and it was Zola in charge, I, I don't think anyone would be complaining. I, do you know what I mean? I, I don't even think it's. That it's all oh, he's a club legend I, I, that people are arguing. I think they're just arguing because they think he's a young English manager. But as Burke said, there's nothing, there's no no sign that he was getting out of this rut or or even that if he was to come out of the rut that they would learn from it. That's the worry. Yeah. Obviously, you, you'd want them to learn and then to become a better manager for it. But it just feels maybe that if they had got out and they put a few wins together and things have been looking better, probably would be more luck than judgment. So uh, I agree. I think Locke Bramwich has done it to bigger, far bigger, better managers of Lampard than he'll probably do it again. So no issues in my end. Yeah. Coming on to that, so obviously Thomas Tuchel has come in um, on an 18-month deal, which seems a bit unusual for most managers. I don't every year, 18-month deals. Um, do you think he's going to last that long? Do you think he's good enough to for the group of players he's got? I know they brought him in because of the German connection but do we see him succeed in Chelsea? Open question. I think I think it's I think it just depends on where it goes, doesn't it really? Personally if Chelsea were to get top four then I'd say yeah he's got a good chance. Um but then at the same time if if, if they were maybe you know finish fifth maybe and 
they they kind of strung it along and they weren't looking great. And I wouldn't be that surprised if they got a new manager in the summer. I just with Chelsea, it's just a different club to every other club. You know, they're, yeah. they're not going to waste time. Look, you know, look how quick they got Tuchel in. Most most managers, <laughs> most chairmen would have would have waited and probably taken a week to do that. They'd have gone, oh, we'll stick someone in charge for a week. But no, they were like straight away. So yeah, I think it was literally the same day. Yeah, sacked in the morning. Tuchel took charge six p.m. training. Yeah, Chelsea. Are. The thing is with Chelsea, you can't really complain because they've been so successful doing it. It's hard to really argue against it, really, isn't it? So I just yeah. think you sign up. You know what you sign up for with them. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Okay, I think you know you don't go into business with Chelsea thinking that it's going to be a happy long relationship. Yeah, yeah. So, I think um, I think it's a good appointment, though. I think he's a good manager. It's hard to judge him on his time at PSG. Um, he's done the job that he was given he got them Champions League final yeah. um, and it's more politics of that like a club like that it's like Real Madrid manager it's so political more than training ground which I think then again Chelsea's probably a bit like as well I think he suits a kind of training ground team a footballing team yeah. I don't have Chelsea that but he is a good manager so I think they'll be okay yeah, I think even if he did get sacked you know, maybe the end of the season or 18 months down the line I think his reputation will be permanently damaged. Yeah. Whereas I think with Lampard, I think that his next job is you know, going to be to find his career, really. He needs to right. really think hard. Yeah. Right. I think Tuchel's CV will let him get through a bad spell. Like if Tuchel had the bad spell Lampard's in at the moment, yeah. I think Tuchel would be given the opportunity to come out of it. I think Lampard's CV kind of went against him in terms of why should we give you more time? I said at the time, I think the Lampard, the only thing you have to ask yourself with the Lampard, when people ask, oh, was it the wrong decision? How many Premier League clubs would employ him as manager right now? Yeah. And and the answer zero. would be zero, probably. Or maybe I think zero. Take a risk. So, you know, that tells you all you need to know about how he's, how he's seen as a manager. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's not to say that he won't be a great manager, but it's just, as Rob said, he, you know, it's, it's very quick, isn't it? Aware how he came up around in it. It's just yeah. You need a bit more. Like you just need a bit more experience. I think I think he might be. Because I'm just thinking, oh, does he do like the Steven Gerrard route? Go to a league that you know he might do okay in with the right team. Or is he just better off maybe going as number two for a bit, trying to learn the trade a bit better? He needs a job where he can make mistakes. Chelsea, yeah. you can't. Yeah. He needs a club. Maybe a lower end championship team, maybe. Mid-term a derby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, would that be taking learn that on the job? Go, learn on the job, but you'll be given time. Yeah, yeah, that's what he needs. Interesting to see if he goes. But, uh, yeah, we'll watch that space. Um, right, we'll go from the only Spurs fan on the pod to three Liverpool fans. Um, Liverpool back to winning ways, two big results, some brilliant goals as well to pull our front three. We're on a barren run. Um, same as I'll come to you. Did, did, has anything really changed? From from what you can see, or is it just the front three have just caught fire again and have brought Liverpool some wins? I I personally just think it's just a testament to the character. I mean, for me, the best two players over the last two games were Miller and Henderson, and I think that sums it up really. I think Henderson just dragged them. Miller has come into the midfield and he's dragged them. He just worked hard, and it's just as a Liverpool fan, you just think fair play to them. You hope. I was a bit nervous about yesterday because I felt like if they to win the Spurs and then not back it up would feel a bit yeah. square one. So to win yesterday was positive. 
Um, it, it's nice, but I'm still not going to get too excited. Um, no, it was the same last time we beat to us, wasn't it? Because it was Spurs, Palace, big win. Yeah. And then nothing. You, you'd hope that they can put another performance, but no, look, they're, clearly they're a, they're a brilliant team. But I think more than anything, it's just a testament to the characters in the squad that, that um, you know, they just pull through. And honestly, I just, I think John Henderson, I, I just cannot get mad on away. Anyone can think that he's not the top, top, top player. I just cannot get mad on it. Top centre-back. Hey, never know. I drop back in his later years. Um, Rob, obviously, there's a you know, big, big game this weekend. Is it a title decider for you against City? From Liverpool's point of view, do they have to win? I, I may it? argue the title may have been decided already, and I, I think it's it's definitely Man uh-huh. City's title to lose. Um, coming from like after that Spurs game, uh, I wasn't really filled with confidence. I know it was a three-one win, but three goals Liverpool scored were all three gifts. So, uh, as much as we kind of made a, we we had plenty of opportunities, the three we scored were, you know, were gimmies and just brutal mistakes by uh, Hugo Lloris. By, yeah. by Hugo Lloris, Joe Rodon and, you know, and so on. Um, the West Ham has given me a bit more confidence, the West Ham result. Um, like like Sims mentioned, Henderson and Milner, like straight away, like yesterday, Milner kind of making those darting runs in behind, just providing an option because it was just some, like something with that front three that we we fielded. It was just like, gosh, where is it going to come from? No Mane, no Firmino. Um, so obviously going into this game, a lot more confidence. You know, I'm I'm glad that we've had back to back wins, just to get just to have something behind us. But I don't see us beating City. Beck, what do you think? Yeah, I go along with that. I think. Um... I said last week uh, or two weeks ago when we had it. Um, I think it's Man City, Man City's title now. I think they will run away with it. They're too consistent. I think all you need to see is them having a bit of an off day against Sheffield and they grinded out a comfortable one nil. Like in terms of the game itself, it was comfortable. Man, you won the same thing the same week and they lost the game two one. So I think that's that's the difference. And I think Liverpool, over the last two three years, I've been that team where bad day they win. This season, they're not that team. And Liverpool have done well to kind of get out of that bad spell they had, but I think that's all, all it's going to do is get top four comfortably. I can't see us keeping up with City. Sims, final word? Oh, well, I mean, I don't know why you're going to We just signed the first in Puyol. I mean, <laughs> that's one thing I am delighted about. The difference in that Liverpool team when you've got someone at the back who just knows how to play centre-back. Like, they don't have to be good. Just know the position. Just know where to stand where the ball's coming in from across. That makes the world a difference. Because although Fabinho's good, he's only good because teams run at him. But he's a good defensive-minded player. He can do that. The problem with Fabinho is when the ball's kind of in and around or out wide. Same with Henderson. Teams are attacking him directly. That's what they want because he's quick. He can tackle. It's it's the actual centre back experience is the problem. Which Ben Davis, I mean, I think Sims, you said about when it was just Ben Davis, it looks like we're signing um, Kabak as well as a centre back. But when it was just Ben Davis, and you were saying about him coming in and maybe just he may not even play, 
I don't know. I I would not be surprised because I think every England centre back that's in that England squad by Dyer cut their teeth in Championship. Like every single one. You got Tarkovsky, Mings, um, Ben Mee, um, Maguire, every other centre back. And I thought of another two, Corner Cordy, all these England centre backs now cut their teeth in the Championship until they're about this age. It would not surprise me. Maybe not Liverpool, but maybe three, four years' time, it would not surprise me if he's playing at, I don't know, like a villa or something, playing week in, week out, and is in the England squad, I think. He's, if he's a competent defender, why not? He's English. They love him. <laughs> I, I think yeah, I think we'll a lot to be said with the, with the idea that teams are playing exactly like Henderson would want, for example. Because uh, you look at the one thing no team is doing, which Man City will do, so you'll f- soon find out, is nobody plays it. Around. You know, like the, the, the quick one-two passes, where it, it doesn't just mean that you just got to stand tall and you've got to put you... Because a lot of it's bravery at the moment with Henderson. He's brave. Yeah. He sticks his head in. He's willing to have a fight to the centre half, uh, centre centre forward. When he's got to start making these fifty-fifty decisions, he's got to do it quickly. Do I step in? Do I let, do I push off? Do I let him turn? Do I you know which way do I usher him? That's where the notes for being a centre back, obviously. But what I'd say is, I don't care who Liverpool are signing. I can guarantee. I, I'm, I'm almost positive that. In the big games, Klopp, at the moment, it's not going to just chuck him in. He's going to go for Vino Henderson, the centre-back. Yeah, I think he will. And uh, that's why I said to you, I wouldn't. I'd go, I'd rather Ben Davis than Fabinho and Hendo. I want the centre-back playing centre-back. And then I want to make our midfield stronger by having Hendo and Fabinho in there. But what I would say, I, I tweeted the other day, I'm fully on board now with just embracing how wild it is. Because the fact Liverpool are even where they are is, is, quite frankly, I don't care. People say, oh, yeah, they go world-class players. But, you know, they are effectively fighting with one arm behind their back. Yeah, the number of different mm-hmm. centre-back combinations, that's that it's alone. We're at 12, aren't we? 12, yeah. Yeah, and it's a knock-on effect on everyone. It's incredible, to be honest, that they've managed to get this far. So I, I just I just embrace it. You know, I enjoy it because I think, hell, like, I hope it's Ben Davis as a whale of a time, six months, and I can't wait to watch him. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> 28 yeah. number is by the way. He signed when, we, when we're on the call. Nice. What number? Shaft for him. Shaft for the lad. Connor Burke, he might get his England cap by the age of 23. That's 28. Oh. How old do oh. you know? 25. Lovely. Next one. The thing is, what, what, you look at the England centre backs. If he comes in and play and actually plays, yeah. why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the bridges are not. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, he just has to knock off Eric Dyer. I, I back him. Oh. That's come on, Dirk. <laughs> uh, you know, I was in a good mood. You know, I got off my chair, feeling good. <laughs> don't, don't bring it back down. Though. Bring it back down. Although, if Rob wants to mention this, it may bring it back down. Rob, we know you've got some strong feelings on the latest VAR controversy. Do you want to let it off your chest? What, what happened in the uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll keep this short. Um, I really right. feel for the Southampton. Uh, obviously, the late uh, Danny Ings goal that was disallowed. Obviously offside by by a poob, you know, ridiculous measurements. But the the penalty call um, early in the game, oh, it's 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 so stupid. The fact that he's he's opened his body out, and I'm I'm gonna demonstrate to you guys as much as I can. <laughs> now, 
the pod, you know, the listeners can't see this, but he's come out like that, okay, as if he's surfing. He's I'm changed his body. He has changed his body, and he's so lucky that it's deflected off his thigh up to his arm. What an absolute bullshit reason to not give that pen. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm and sure it's it hits his arm anyway. Like, I'm sure, like, yeah. even if it doesn't hit his thigh, because it's so close. Like, yeah. it's the lightest brush off his thigh. It's, it's cop out, it, isn't it? Mike D. I think Mike Dean was a bar guy. It's an absolute cop out, yeah. It, and the amount of times they watched it, it just got more and more damning every time I watched it. And I just cannot, for the life of me, understand how we're not giving that handball anymore. And then you go back to Firmino's handball against Spurs with the disallowed goal in the build-up where it hits Dyer's hand onto Firmino's hand. That there he is on, again. On the halfway line, apparently that's handball, but stopping the ball going in the net, nah, we'll, we'll leave that one. It's just no consistency. Although Rob did say, Rob, was it the worst you've seen? I, I think it... I think it probably is. Oh, I don't think it makes top ten for me. That's a bad. I think value. <laughs> I'd have to. I'd have to see a compilation of them. There's been there's obviously there's been let Virgil Van Dijk. Is that yeah. well? Obviously, yeah. For yeah. me, Rodri's offside. He's thirty yards offside. I mean, <laughs> like you don't have to be a qualified referee you, to work. You don't need this. the lines out for that. He is thirty yeah. yards offside. Yeah. Like <laughs> the bad. The bad thing about that for them to come out and say the ruling and then go back on it. Yeah, they come out and say, oh, we made the right decision. And then, oh, actually, let's clarify the rule because we don't want this happening again. Why? If, if it's the right decision, you surely you want it to happen again. It's, it's again, another cop out. Just hide, hide in. Just come out and say, we fucked up. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And then th- and I go, actually, we'll sack these refs while we're at this. Or... <laughs> they're, they're with they're the top of the medical staff in the job centre. <laughs> I went really light on that. I was ready to go on it. But, yeah, they can go. Bloody go. Right, we've uh, had some good chats here so far, so let's move on to this week's draft. And Burke, I believe it's you, so go ahead and explain. Yeah, so um, struggling to find the wording uh, with it, so it's kind of the unpopular, unsaid football and opinions, things that are kind of on your radar that you've noticed and no one's really saying. Um, it can be big, it can be small, it can be, I don't know, it can be career-defining, it can be based on one game you've seen, it can be anything, just something that's on your radar that really doesn't get spoken about that much. Um, so to decide um, who goes first, I've got a nearest two question. So, and it's to do, I was trying to think of a player who I thought we would have named because I don't want him being named twice. So I hope I'm right to say no one's named Shola Amiobi <laughs> in nope. any of their opinions. Not so okay, fantastic. Sims? No. Okay, good. <laughs> so, Sholami Obi played 397 times for Newcastle. And the question is, how many of them came as a substitute? Yeah, so, it's just nearest to, and we'll go Sims first. 184. Uh, but? What was the number again? 379. Three, uh, 397. Three, nine, uh, I'll go 127. And Rob, uh, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll go two hundred and ten. Okay, so uh, uh, so um, I'll be obviously going fourth in yeah. third, but sure. you are fifty-one away. 
in second, Rob, you were 32 away. And then Sims, only six away. But um, unreal. We'll be going so, second. Uh, we'll be going first, Wikipedia, right? first. I know, I sure love it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's Sims, Rob, but me. And the correct answer was 178 substitutions wow. for Newcastle. Um, so, Sims, starts off. Uh, okay, so the, the thing that came to mind, I have mentioned it before. No, actually, I keep that one, I keep that one. I'll go to the second one. Um, so there's definitely a theme with my two. But my one, my the opinion, the thing that goes under the radar that really annoys me um, is Roy Keane actually <laughs> offers zero tactical information or anything of use <laughs> at all when he's analysing the game. And according to Roy Keane, everything comes down to effort and desire because he questions it all the time. So, for me, it's just like, well, what's the point being there? You might as well get my old man on the show. Because my old man did that. <laughs> go. My old man's answer I, to everything football I, I or rugby related is, well, they should try harder. <laughs> or, what they or my favourite line, what are they doing in the week? That's what I want to know. <laughs> we all do. So, like, for me, this idea that he's getting paid on Sky Sports every week, Super Sunday, to just come out and say, well, I, I, I don't know about the desire there. There's no effort there. No, tell me something I don't know. He's like one of the best midfielders we've had in this country. Tell me what you would do. So that is for me. That Roy Keane gets a free pass because everyone reckons, oh, he's funny as hell. But actually, let's just let's just listen to what he says. Not much. Yeah. I don't. I think he says he he goes in on players that don't normally get spoken about. Like he's not scared of going in, which I think. But you made the point about pundits before. They're scared of. Saying things, their mates, and things like yeah. that. Roy Keane isn't doesn't have any of that. He, like he called Kyle Walker stupid. Like because he's not mates with any current players. That's why. Yeah. When he was a player, he was doing this. This is why he left Man U. It's because he was slagging off his own teammates. So, I think it's refreshingly honest of someone just coming in and being like an Ian Sims. Just being there and going, <laughs> oh, that's really annoying me. I would want to slap his face in. Great. Say yeah, it how it is. Say it how it is. Too many pundits are hiding behind the thing of of tactics and going, like, really going in-depth, but obvious and going, oh, look at the run he's made here. I can see the run he's made there. Tell me. Like, where's the effort? Yeah, where's the effort? What are they doing <laughs> in the week? No, I, I think he's class. I think he is class. Yeah, I think there's only so many times you can say, you know, the things they usually says. You know, where's the effort? I would do this. I would do that. So, I think he does offer more. I, I, I agree. Think the sound I, agree lights, I think he has compilation videos where it is just humour, and it's a bit like right, that's not punditry. But you watch him on the day of uh, like Super Sunday. I think he oh, offers Saturday uh, night. Sat- oh, Saturday, Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday. He was on all day, was it? Yeah, Saturday. You watch him all day Saturday from three. I think yeah. Sign me up. Get get that on every channel. It's only an opinion. <laughs> exactly. It's not even mine. <laughs> <laughs> who's uh, who's next? Um, you. Me. Sure. Yeah. Rob, Rob. Sorry. Well, well, my my topic's going to be nowhere near as passionate as that one. Rip and neck. That uh, I like that affected you. us all. <laughs> no. Um. So. I was thinking, Mike. This maybe this uh, subject may have had more traction, kind of uh, last year, or maybe even like 
you know, the, in the last kind of like nine months. But this Wolves team, I've always valued Adama Traore more when he comes off the bench. And I think he's one of the most frightening players when you bring him on kind of between 60 and 70 minutes. And it frustrates me to see him when he's he's starting on the field. You know, he'll play maybe a whole 90 or he'll play like 60, 70 minutes. He's just nowhere near as effective. You know, he, you know what he is. He's fast and strong. Bring bring him on late in the game. He's up against a up against the full back or centre back. It's you know they they they've been playing eighty minutes. They've been slogging it. He's much more effective like that. I'm not going to say you know he's nowhere near as effective as Edin Dzeko was for Man City when he went through that spell of just coming on and scoring and being that super sub impact sub. But Adama Traore winds me up when I see that he's starting because I don't think he has the quality to go sixty to ninety minutes. Week in, week out. I I feel like he is perfect off the bench. He's a scary player off the bench. And totally just player, yeah. He's a new short army OB. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. When when Burke asked that question, I was like, yeah, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think it's me now, is it? Yeah. Well, I think I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I I probably do mention it quite a bit. Um but just how childish and petty some players are and the lack of attention is brought to it by ex-pros or pundits on any broadcasting uh, channel, whether it be Sky or BT or Amazon. Um, I look at it and think, the ex-players must be looking at some of these players and going, I would never do that, but yet they don't call him out in it. Prime example, Bruno Fernandes. There's no doubt he's been fantastic last 12 months. But just because you've been brilliant for 12 months and you play for United, doesn't mean you're an absolute shithouse. And doesn't mean you shouldn't be called out for it. And you go back to Roy Keane. I haven't heard Roy Keane go, Bruno Fernandes, some of the stuff he does on the pitch, if he was on my team, I'd be sorting him out in the dressing room. I've never heard Roy Keane say anything like that. When he will say it about certain other players that maybe aren't as good as Bruno Fernandes. So that's something I'd like to see. I'd like to see these players being called out. I wouldn't out. be surprised if Roy Keane did, though. No, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be surprised I if any heard... other pundit did. I wouldn't be I surprised if any other pundit this is my point. Why? Most of the pundits on TV nowadays have got no affinity to any players currently playing. There's not many. James yeah. Miller, probably one. <laughs> About ten. So why aren't they... Why, you know, is it people on the producers at Sky and BT saying, oh, no, we don't want to go too hard on some of these players because then they won't do interviews with us, all this business. They won't do promos, all this kind of thing. I, I don't see... I don't understand why. Especially now without fans, you see them often. And I just think it, it is absolutely ridiculous the stuff some players get away with. Yeah. Uh, and another thing that which is on the same level is that every single player thinks every single thing they do in a pitch is 100% correct. There was one, Paul Pogba, tracking back, absolutely chopped somebody down outside the box. Uh, I think it was, it might have been Dwight McNeil or somebody. And the ball clearly goes the way Dwight McNeil was dribbling. And he's pointing towards the ball, going, I clearly got the ball. Mate, you clearly didn't touch the <laughs> ball. You just chopped this guy's leg off. Tiago and loves her. Tiago loves her. Yeah, it's it's like these are grown men. Like I, if they watch themselves, would they be going, "Oh, yeah, that doesn't that's a bit embarrassing." I don't really want to be doing that. Now I get they're competitive and you know people change when they're competitive, but yeah, something I don't like to see and it uh, needs to be brought up more, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All Call all the all players, that. release it, and then embarrass them. 
like uh, you know they do 101 goals and then like every couple of years <laughs> just do one for players. Yeah. yeah. All the best dives, all the best like all the best shit those moves. Andy Robertson be filling that list a lot. Oh, he would. John Henderson would probably be there as well, actually. Yeah. Henderson. Most uh, players are terrible at the ref. Henderson. Go on, break things you know. Oh, were they two for you? Oh no, it's two for me in it. Sorry, yeah. my mistake. Um, so first one, it's a small. The only reason I thought of this question was I just watched one game. I thought that's on my radar. <laughs> and then I've watched this one player four or five times since, and he's done nothing to change my mind. And the player is João Moutinho for Wolves. Okay. Cultured, known as. Good set-piece taker, he's known as. He's not, he's crap. He is the most bang-average midfielder I think I've ever seen in the Premier League. He does not for anything. He's so slow. He reminds me of, do you know Charlie Adam? Late Charlie Adam. Like, <laughs> he has the hype of being a set-piece taker, wand of a left foot. But late Charlie Adam, he was just filling the gap. That's all he could do. And that is João Moutinho. Watch him take corners, doesn't beat the first man. Watch him hit a free kick. If it's a shot, he'll hit the wall. If it's a cross, he'll go for a goal kick. Or he'll go into the keeper's hands. He is incredibly bang average. And I'd look at his stats. Um, and I think 70% pass actually had last season. Which, for a guy who passes five yards... Yeah. That's a bit pathetic. 78, I think it was. But still, it's not good enough. And I'm not surprised Wolves are struggling if yeah. he's the face of the team. And he's 83 rated on FIFA. It's a joke. <laughs> I agree with that because he was in my draft team last year. I think he got me five points one game. He's he was in my average. team. Five, he's so ten, bang so. average. Yeah, I'd agree with um, that one. And so that's based on one performance I saw. And then obviously I kept nine. Eh? This one is based off a guy who had 20 years at the highest level, Ryan Giggs. I think he's just incredibly overrated. The conversation of the Premier League's best, and he's always on Sky Sports, his face is always there. Why? He, I, I've done the maths, right? He averaged five goals a season. That's it. I think he only got double figures twice. Yeah. Um, you went sports personality of the year, right? <laughs> with no personality that's hard to do <laughs> one sports <Yeah>. personality it, <laughs> it was a pity award though wasn't it when he like wasn't it like late on in his career and it's because he hadn't yeah. won it, it, was, it wasn't a great year for sports for that <laughs> way yeah <laughs> yeah so I just think I don't get I don't get it I just really yeah. don't get it it's more than on my radar I'll have it tattooed on me Ryan Giggs <laughs> is overrated and he has no place in the conversation of Premier League greats he has no place. I'm not like, going to rob. Is, is James Milner... I know, I get the longevity, but is James Milner going to be in conversation with Premier League greats? No, he's not. Brian Giggs shouldn't be there. Hey. He does have 12 more Prems, I'm just saying. Good for him. Where, where I'd agree with that is, I can't remember what year it was. It might have been 2011, maybe 2012, where he won Player of the Year, and he was like 35. Yeah. yeah. It was like a he scored goal. that goal against West Ham, did he? Where he cut in like twice. And just rolled it in the corner past Rob Green. That's oh, he was a he was a good footballer. Like I am not oh, yeah. that but way. And he was a model model professional, yes. But talent was he really? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Again, on, I might on, say the word alleged. On the pitch, he was the, the model professional. Off the pitch, he's a bloody nightmare. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> um right. 
two good picks. Two very good picks. Um, my last one, Burke will like this. I'm just going to say it. Sam Aldice. I think he's underrated. One of the best managers Premier League seen. Honestly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, numerous clubs. His reaction. You know, numerous <laughs> clubs. Done a job every everywhere he's been. Legend of a bloke. Yeah, he does a few dodgy things here and there. But hey, nobody's perfect. Uh, he's not just gigs. Any one personality here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sam Aldice has actually got personality. Yeah. So, you know, I hope he keeps West Brom up because he's an absolute legend. And yeah, big love to Big Sam. No, I know we have a few tongue-in-cheek uh, tongue jokes about Big Sam. But I... 100% agree. I think he is so criminally underrated yeah. that it's incredible. How can he be underrated when he gets about 10 jobs? Like, literally, about 10, he's a load of jobs. How is he yeah. underrated? Yeah, but there's okay. still this feeling, especially like, in the media, that he's just, you know, he's yeah, big why, star, why, you know, he's big lump. He should not be lump. anywhere near West Brom. <laughs> yeah. Like, he should be top end <laughs> Premier League. Like, yeah. for example, uh, Rob, yeah. I made this point to you on the weekend and you agreed to it, so you can't backtrack now. Big Sam Everton. They've got Ancelotti now. Yeah, are they any yeah. better? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not. They are not better now than they were under Big Sam. Yes. <laughs> Moving swiftly on the Sims. <laughs> Rob, now, is it? Uh, is it back oh, to me? Sorry, it's Rob. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sims. Um, yeah, uh, <clears throat> kind of a struggle yeah. to think, think of another one. But um, so there's here's something. Uh, I, I kind of struggle with. So when you like the big name clubs, I kind of hate how much when they've got these young players and they just use them as a squad depth. So for me, like Mason Greenwood for United, uh, Callum Hudson Adoy is another example for Chelsea. Um, Arsenal kind of have kind of a feel like that. Joe Willock, Saka. I know Saka's kind of getting more game time now, but how like reluctant these big teams, these top teams, are to send out these guys on loan and develop them. Like, these guys are youngsters. Like, what what benefit is is it for them to... I understand there is a benefit for them to kind of sit behind some of these, you know, quality players, but for them to develop their career and get more playing time, why are these big clubs so reluctant to send them out on loan? You know, we see we've seen so many players kind of go out on loan to kind of like Germany... Yeah. <coughs> excuse me, and... Uh, do well. Just want to see it more from the from the bigger clubs. It'd be more like, exciting yeah. to see those players actually playing. Like yeah. as a Liverpool fan, if I was a Liverpool youngster playing in like a I don't know West Brom team, I'd be excited to actually watch West Brom. Maybe West Brom's a bad example because I'm always excited to watch West Brom. Um maybe like a Fulham or something, you know? Yeah. I'd be excited to watch Fulham if I knew it was a Liverpool youngster starting. And to round it up then, Sims. Right. So, Carl Ancelotti's criminally underrated his time at Everton. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> My actual one is... I was going to say, I read his book, I agree. Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher are actually pretty crap at co-commentary. And by pretty crap, I mean very crap. Co-commentary, yes. Co-commentary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I would disagree. Yeah, I don't I enjoy him at all, either of them. I think Guy Neville, I probably don't like because it's by association because he's always with Martin Tyler. Yeah. Um, but I I can't. I just, I just think they're both rubbish. I think they're too emotionally invested. I think Guy Neville is the classic. He won't call. One week he says something's awful and the next day he's saying, oh, yeah, I can see why that's given. 
I think, you know, I think Carragher is very emotional. And I think yeah. he loses his head a bit and he gets too excited. I, I personally, and I think and I think they do fall into the trap of telling you what you're looking at instead of giving me something behind the scenes yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as analysts, they're the best in the game. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But our co-commentary, not for me. Get Roy Keane in commentary. That's, <laughs> that's what we need, Sims. Yeah, when they have time to look at things, I think, like you say, they break it down you know, exceptionally well. When they're reacting live, I just, yeah, I think, especially Cara, yeah, I just, something about his voice, I know he's got a thick Liverpool accent, but just something about his voice that just doesn't, doesn't go well with, on comms. I don't know what it is. Yeah, they're a great Where, studio too. This guy Neville just seems really just negative all the time on comms. Thing is, they bounce well off each other. Maybe Martin Tyler is the problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe get rid of him. Maybe get him on comms. Maybe it's, it'll be like fan zone again. <laughs> which like, which one's not one or the other at the moment? Which one's the play-by-play commentator though? Who's color commentating? Because Matt Tyler's kind of doing the play-by-play. I can't well, imagine Guy Neville doing a job play-by-play. I just think back to Euro 2016, I think it was where BBC Radio One did Scott Mills and Chris Stark doing alternative commentary, and yeah. I don't think I've had a high on commentary like it. Like, you don't need someone to tell you what's going on. We can see what's going on. Just, just make, make it, it more entertaining. Yeah. Don't tell me that Pogba's got a ball, because I can see Pogba's got a ball. I don't care. Just, yeah, yeah make me laugh. Yeah. Add Ali something. Ali, Ali Price is the best yes. footballing commentator. You should have a contract with every broadcaster and just rotate every week. Just keep going. Yeah. Just, Sky, just please and... the people. Or even if he goes solo and people, like, log onto his website and listen to him <laughs> and move the TV and watch yeah. the game. Millions. <laughs> he's the best there is. <laughs> the easy way to do it, just go back to like lockdown where it was like the, the commentary just being their own house. Because if McCoy's then can do every game. Yeah. <laughs> the early kickoff, the three o'clock, yeah. and the late kickoff, just from his the front room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just tune in tallymccoy.com, listen to him all day, and then you just sync up the TV to his voice. That's hold on. That's a business idea right there. Right <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut Sliding at the end. Trademark. Yeah. Right. I'm conscious because we've been on for a while. Um, we've got five minutes till nine o'clock. So, Brick, we've got a five minute timer, about four minutes. Give us your question and let's go for it. So, it's a player we actually, well, I named on the last one in line with yours and Sims, a trivia question that week Wayne Rooney. Mm. And the question is simply, how good was he? How should he be remembered? Obviously, he's got the CV of top England scorer, top Man U goal scorer. Um, won the league multiple times. Um, he's always kind of talked about he's going to break into that bracket of top player, but did he ever do that? So it's just how good is he? How should he be remembered? No, he's hung up his boots. Um, yeah, just off the bat, I, I do think he is a little bit underappreciated. Um, you know, he's like, you know, scored some great goals in the Prem, you know, scored a lot of goals most seasons. Um, Probably what done him over. He's a bit of a, he was quite a team player when he, you know, it wasn't all about him. He did let other players play. Um, I don't think the media helped. They hyped him up too much, which they do with a lot of people, but with him especially. Um, so yeah, that didn't help him out. And I think his personality didn't really help either. He's a bit of a quite quiet and didn't really yeah. stand out too much like that. So, yeah, I think with all that said, I think he's probably, you got the top, top players, and then he's probably top of the next bracket. That's kind of where I see him, but yeah, I think he is underappreciated. Go down as a Premier League great. Oh yeah, yeah. easily High, higher than Ryan Giggs. 
Yeah. Personality wise, should... I don't know. <laughs> They're both on par with that. Yeah. Probably on the same level, to be honest, just because how much they won. Yeah. Yeah. But he's top, top there. Yeah, I agree. But I think that's nearly there. I think you've got that top tier and then that tier just underneath. And you'll be at the very top of that. You could admit, you could make arguing he's in the top tier. I think he's a, I think he's a superb player. Absolutely brilliant. He's um he's not remembered like on when we speak about Premier League strikers though. I would I would say he's never the first name on anyone's lips. It's always Shiva, Henri, Burkamp, even our players people name ahead of him. You see combined elevens. I don't see him in many of combined elevens. Yeah. I don't think he I I tend to agree with you, but I don't think he's remembered as being that good. I think what exactly it, though, because he <laughs> was the absolute main man. He so, never was, was he? That's another no, one of my points. Yeah, like, so you had Ronaldo was the main man, wasn't he? Yeah, Van Nistelrooy when he came in. Yeah. So I think that is probably why, because obviously the rest of them are always seen as the main man for it, for that team. And the spell, he was my man. It was kind of man used decline, really, as well, wasn't it? I mean, it was, even yeah. had a good, but off then. And Van Pert, you gave me, like, he, there was yeah, always nice. another. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been great to see more years of him and Tevez, because I think probably one of the most underrated striker partnerships the league has seen. And, the, and I think they were um, quality. Yeah. And he uh, flirted with leaving Man U a few times, and there was a few transfer requests, sagas, which may, maybe means Man U fans don't. Yeah. Regard him as the golden boy, and then the other clubs don't because of his personality. Um, I and think you... obviously his career after Man U, like he didn't really do much of yeah. when there was all that hype, and then he was at a... in the championship. He was at a club that's had so many greats. I mean, you know, you're fighting with the likes of you know, best Charlton, you know, like the class, the class of '92 has got so many greats in there, like it was always going to be. Hadrian to kind of stand out from those, but I think he's. If there's like a Mount Rushmore of United players, I think you can argue a case for him to be up there. I agree, but I don't think he would be. I, I, I was going to say, yeah. I, I, he's their all time top scorer, but yeah. I don't think he would be. I, I completely agree with you. And I, and as you said, Berg, I think that's, what Matt, that's the mad thing is he's set loads of records, and yet, and I don't even think he comes that close to it either. No, like I think if you ask Man U fans who he all time, I think he'd struggle to make top five. Like I think that that's it, kind of his limit. I think the players you've named, Rob, would be named ahead of him, uh, without any hesitation from most Man U fans. It's definitely a weird one. It is a weird mm-hmm. one. It's a media thing. I think it's all been driven. He's put too high up. And he obviously never reached that. And he peaked a bit that, um, yeah. earlier than most players peak. Subconsciously, everyone's expectations is higher than what they should have been. Yeah. The best players kind of struggle to reach the heights because the heights are set. Yeah. Almost higher. For them, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Good question then, Don. Um, and that is it. So thank you, gents. Good to be back. And uh, talk to you again next week. All the best. Adios, peace. Peace, so,